0: really needs no introduction right but just for introduction's sake my name is andrew fish um this is my mom marcy fish yeah this and this is jason and kim church they're amazing uh our family ministries and even table group uh just they direct our table groups as well and we're just super honored uh to have them up here um so you might be wondering what in the world are we doing today right this is a little different than usual. Um, We had you guys fill out questions. Who remembers this? Okay. Oh, okay. About five of you, which is weird because we got way more questions than five, Uh, but that's okay. Um, We had you guys submit questions about community and relationship at the table, uh, around the table. And so... We wanted to spend some time and actually answer as many of those questions as possible. Um, And I told you this when I shared my heart about this, but uh, part of my heart isn't just to get up here and preach. I love that, and I will do it until Jesus returns or until the Lord takes me, because I love preaching. And honestly, even this morning as we're having this discussion, like, there's absolutely preaching nuggets in here. Um, But... I also wanted to hear from you guys. Like, what do you guys want? What do you guys need when it comes to relationships and community? Because this isn't just about me. It's also about the body. Amen? We're together in this. Um, And that's a beautiful thing. Um, We say around here a lot that this isn't, you know, we're not here just to attend a service. We're really here... Uh, to be family, to belong together, to encounter the Lord together, to be discipled into a greater maturity and revelation of Jesus. Um, And part of that is how do we navigate community and relationships around the table? Um, If you've been with us for any part of the year, and I know we have guests that just raised your hand, we've been talking about this concept of the table for quite a while now. Um, we really felt as we even began the year that the table, we've, we have table groups, we have, um, we've had a lot of discussions about what is the table, what does it mean to, to sit at the table with each other, and what does it mean to invite people to the table, what does it mean that he, meaning the Lord, prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies, uh, what is the Lord's table, we've talked about all of these things, and you can go back and catch the podcast for many of those messages, but we just wanted to continue that and talk about community around the table. And what I love about the table is it can look like this, laid back, you know, in a swivel chair that we're going to try not to swivel too much in. I'm already, I'm already starting to soften bad because I'm swiveling a lot. Um, And so we're we're just going to take a moment, and we're going to answer some questions. Uh, One disclaimer before we begin, just because I need to mention it, because I feel like I might get an email if we don't answer every question. We may not answer every question, okay? I hope that we get to as many as possible, but the reality is we may not get to every question. We had a lot of amazing questions, so thank you to everyone who submitted a question. Um, Really, like... We had some awesome questions, and I'm excited for us to dig into that. Um, And so real quick, the point of our conversation is to discuss practical questions around how to do life and community in relationship around the table. And so I want to start us off in the Word, because there's no better way to start, right? Let's get into the Word. Um, So real quick, Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, verse 11. I love Ephesians. I mean, I love the whole Bible, but... Ephesians is such a strong book. In fact, I already read some from Ephesians, didn't I? All right, Ephesians 4, verse 11. Here we go. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Um, and he goes on to say, as a result, we are not to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head. Amen. Amen. Jesus is the head. All right, last verse here, verse 16. From whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Every joint supplies for the building up of itself in love. So the point is, We're all here to grow in maturity. We're here to grow together. We're here to be joined together. There's things that each of us bring in the concept of relationship and in community around the table that we need. And so I just wanted to kick us off that way so that we know kind of what we're we're doing. The point is to grow in relationship and in community around the table. All right? All right, let's jump in. Who's ready? All right, so we have already gone through, and we have already prepared for each question. However, because I, again, I, I didn't want someone to go, oh, man, we didn't get to your question, I decided we're going to do the questions random, which means I'm going to draw a question. That way, there's no favoring one question over the other, okay? Trying to keep this level, all right? Yes, we're also going to do a part two of this next Sunday. So we'll be drawing more questions. It'll be fun. All right. Let's see what this first question is, though. Yeah, drum roll. <laughs> and all right. Jason's going to lead this one. Let's go. All right. Here's, here's the question. The question is this. How do I stay consistent and committed to the relationships that God has called me to? I'm going to read it one more time. How do I stay consistent and committed to the relationships that God has called me to?
1: So as I was thinking about this, the, to me, the, the point is just intentionality and, and just really being proactive in our relationships. Because I think a lot of times we look at relationships as this extra thing that we have in our lives. And and we don't treat our jobs that way. We don't even treat sometimes our workouts. I do. Um, we don't treat you know we don't treat a lot of our stuff as in with, with intentionality and with really being proactive. And so to stay consistent and committed to say a workout, you've got to put it on your calendar, right? You've got to be you've got to you've got to have some intentionality to it. And so I think that's super important, um, just as an overarching thing. But a a few of the thoughts that I had about it too, um, it's important how you respond to those relationships. So your response is really important. Are you answering texts quickly? Are you answering phone calls? Are you responding to those people in your life that, and and I think it's important to say that God has called you to, um, those relationships that God has called you to, it's important that we're very responsive to those relationships Um, and just finding out how to, um, finding ways to communicate that, hey, I'm interested in you. I want to know what's going on in your life. Um, and then I, I think initiation is important. Like, how are you initiating plans with that person? Are they always the initiator or are you initiating some of those plans? Um, because I think, you know, I think taking ownership, of a relationship is important. Taking ownership in a relationship is important. And so that's a one way that you stay consistent and committed is by taking ownership, and we do that a lot of times by initiating and not just being the responder all the time. Um, and then something the, the Lord's really been talking to me, and I, I wouldn't say that one of my love languages is quality time, but actually I'm starting to think maybe it is. Because um, as, as we were thinking about this a lot, I was like, one of the thing that's really important to me is, is time with people. Lots of time with people. That's where I feel connected. That's where I feel close is when I've spent a lot of time. And it's, it's not just quality time, right? Quality time really means quantity time. What, in the love language thing, I don't know why we call it quantity, quality time because it's really about quantity time. I, need, I mean, we do want to have it quality, right? But, but I want to really spend time with somebody because that's where relationship really can develop and, and connection and, and, um, trust can really develop is through time. Um, but then the last thing I wanted to say about this is staying committed to a relationship to, to ask that question implies that there is some type of a standard, some type of a, a an idea you're, you're wanting to stay committed. What are you wanting to stay committed to? What's, yeah, what's the expectation for, for that relationship? And so I think it's important for us to, to know for ourselves, what do I expect from this relationship? Not, not like it's all to get, but what, what do I expect to give in this relationship? How do I know that I've been successful in a relationship? If I've not set some type of a, a standard or an understanding of what I'm going for. And then it's not all just my expectations either, right? Because there's, there's another person involved <laughs> and they're going to have possibly completely different expectations for this relationship than you do. And so we have to what? We have to have a conversation, right? We have to talk about what those expectations are. Otherwise, what are you being committed to? What are you being consistent in because saying being, I'm being consistent in my relationships, that's, it's just too general of an understanding, I think, for us to know whether we've been successful or whether we just feel like we're failing, honestly, in all of our relationships. Because um, you may be in a relationship where you're like, man, I'm just failing. And that other person is like, man, you're killing it. That's awesome. I love, I love the connection that we have. But we don't know because we haven't really had the conversation.
0: That's good. Communication is really critical.
2: So just real quick, because if you're like me and I need help with being committed in the way of planning because I'm not a great planner always. And what something just real practical that helps me is I I have things on my calendar So I'll even have, like, on my calendar, it says, send messages to these people. Um, And they're my good friends. So you're like, why would I need to have something on my calendar to tell me to message my good friends? But it's because in my brain, I can just be doing whatever comes in the moment. Mm -hmm. And this way, I know that I will continue to be... um, yeah. Well, Intentional it's, it, and it's like, because it's on my calendar.
1: Well, it's it's like you wouldn't say, "Well, I don't why am I going to put that on my calendar? It's my job to do these things." Well, right. you put it on there because it is your job to do those things. It's you're saying this is really important, so I'm going to make it a priority. If your if your friends are your priority, then you're going to put them on your calendar because they're a yes. priority. Yeah. Yes,
2: and not just, "Oh, I feel it." You know what I mean? And even some friends and I have started having breakfast once a month. And it's like We know we're going to have breakfast once a month. And that is super helpful for me because if I'm having to recreate it all the time, then I will drop it, even though I love people.
0: That's good. That's good. All right. Let's choose another question. Let's go to the very bottom of the bowl. Fold it up a couple extra times. All right, this question is for you, Mom. How do you prioritize important relationships when you are over-committed? So we just talked about commitment in one sense. Now we're going to talk about what happens if you are overcommitted.
2: Well, actually, what I just said is helpful in this. <laughs> I didn't have it written down, but it, that actually is helpful if you build it into your life in some way. If you're part of a table group, you know that table group is going to meet and you, even if you can't make every meeting, you know that it's built into your life so that you can show up as much as possible. I think that's super helpful. Obviously, we wanna make sure we address being overcommitted. <laughs> it's okay for a season, but long term being overcommitted can obviously cause its own set of problems. But I just got real practical of know who it is. Who are your important relationships? Do you know that? And I feel like in this, communication is really the key. Communicate with your important relationships. Hey, I'm, this is what's going on in my life right now. I'm super overcommitted how can we continue to be intentional we may not have the same amount of time as we've been able to have before so how can we be intentional and make a plan with the person and ask the person what would speak love to you right now in this season don't just do it all by yourself Just communicate. I think that is probably number one. If you communicate and you make some kind of plan, then that helps you be intentional and helps you when you're overcommitted. So uh, share with your important relationships the value and importance they have in your life. Um, Ask them, again, like what would be meaningful to you, what would speak love and value to you. And maybe you do things that are different in this season. You know, maybe it is phone calls, more phone calls or more messaging or send your friend a card, like actually write, you know, and use a stamp, like, you know, old school, old school. Um, But find creative ways That you can communicate love and value to your people, even if your time is limited. Because when we're overcommitted, that's really what's limited is our time, right? So it's really um, that simple, I think. Communication, intentionality, planning, and communication. (laughs) And communication. Yeah.
0: I think that's great. I would just add one thing, and it is... Um, it, it is good to know who you're prioritizing. So what relationships are you prioritizing in a season? Um, you know, we've, we all go through a lot of seasons in life, amen? You know, I know a lot of you, some of you have lived a lot more life than I have. Some of you haven't. The reality is there's things that we go throughout life. There's different seasons. There's different things that happen in our life. And sometimes... There are relationships that stick through all of that. And then sometimes there's seasons where maybe that particular relationship just isn't, um, it's just not the season at, at the moment. And I think it's okay to say that that's okay. I wish that I could be close to every single one of you in the room and have coffee with you every week, right? But there's over 200 of you in the room and that's just not gonna happen, right? But I love all of you and I'm thankful that you're here. There's just the reality of, like, prioritizing even just what, what does that look like for you in, in your particular season. And I do think that that is important. Do you want to add on to that?
2: I just have one more quick thought of, like, if you're on the other side of it, like you're not the one overcommitted, but your friend is overcommitted, being willing to lower your expectations about that relationship and continue to give and love on them during their season of overcommitment even if they aren't able to give as much to you during that season
0: That's really good. All right, let's draw. This is my favorite part, absolutely. The drawing. I'm going to do this next week too. Now. All right. This question is going to go to Kim it's really interesting how this is working out I'm drawing a question and it's individually going to each it's very cool anyway how can the community around us help address the question of what God wants us to do in a particular season of our life how can community help us address the question of what does God want me to do in this particular season of my life?
3: Well, community definitely provides perspective. And so people around us see things differently than we see. Everybody's not processing life the same way you're processing. And the people that are close to you see you differently than you see yourself. And as you have conversations with people and open up about what's going on in your life, Um, a simple conversation can sometimes bring to light resources or opportunities that you aren't even seeing just by talking with people. And so I think it's really, really important, first of all, to have relationships where you're opening up about what's happening in your life and then listen to feedback, listen to what you're hearing from them. So sometimes that can also help you reframe a circumstance that you're in. Like you're just going to see it from a different perspective and it gives you options that you didn't see before. There are uh, definitely times in your life where you need like specific counsel about something that's going on. And so it's good to reach out to people who are ahead of you. Uh, if it's in a specific area, like recently we needed some counsel in our business so we asked businessmen that have gone ahead of us like here's what's going on being open opening up about it all and then asking for counsel and staying in relationship during our struggle with that it's really really super helpful cuz then you're not alone going when you're going through something that's challenging the other thing <clears throat> is we have the added benefit here in our community of having such a strong prophetic community, um, where we're not giving directional words to people, um, encouraging words, really really help lead us and guide us, and also identity words. When you're making decisions, you need to be making decisions out of identity, and so you you we have so many resources right now here at Convergence with our. Monthly prophetic nights, and even we have Misty's um, mystic class, which is also monthly. And then just the different events. We have one coming up for our family identity. And so that, the prophetic edge, also helps with decisions. And that's community still. You might not think of it as community, but it really is. Because you're not doing life by yourself. Just like in Ephesians 4 we're growing up together. We're a body. We're not the, per- the, the one with God as the head. We we are one, not I am one. Okay?
1: One, one other thing I wanted to highlight from what you said was that people are going to see things in you that you don't see in yourselves. Sometimes we're too close to ourselves to really see it. I, I can remember when we were talking about we were going through kind of values and mission and things like that as a family and kindness was one of the values that came up. And I was like, well, that's not really a value. That's just kind of what everybody aims for, right? And we had some friends at the time. It wasn't their highest value. And, <laughs> and they were like, no, that's a value. And that's something that you guys carry is kindness. And I was like, oh, that's even a value. Okay, all right. Because I just, it's like, there's some things that you do that are just, they just come out of you. There's some things that you just are. And you don't even see, oh, this is actually something God has called me to. This is actually something that the Lord is, is having me walk in, but, but recognition of it can even make it more powerful because you do it, again, with intentionality. So,
0: Yeah, that's so good. Shameless plug to sign up for the family identity <laughs> workshop. I mean, really, though, June, June 10th it's going to be up here at the sanctuary at, at Convergence Church you can register at convergencechurch.com but really like that is going to be a big deal because we we do we are in a prophetic culture here at convergence and i don't have time to necessarily dive into the depths of that but we believe that we're raising prophetic reformers and part of that is the person next to you might have a word that the lord wants to reveal to you that maybe can help you in this season of life and that is that is important and so anyway um, just wanted to plug that real quickly. I think that was a great answer, guys. Let's draw. All right, Jason. Why is it that I feel less patient with long-term relationships than I do with strangers? Yep. Watch out.
1: Yep. It's, it's like that when you're, you're, um, you're home and you're like yelling, I mean, not that I do, yeah. but yelling at your not family, you know, yelling. you're like, what you? and you answer,
0: hello? Your, your friend is
1: yelling. Yes. How are you? I have a friend. I have a friend
0: who does that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll counsel that friend later? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. But that's, that's so typical. <laughs> I think we all probably we have, all a friend have a friend like that. like that. I mean, wait. But,
1: um, but it's true. We, we, do, we do have much more patience. But there's a, I think there's a flip side of that that I want to get to. But it is those that we are closest to that we, that we often honor the least. And, and that's, you know, that's, Ooh, that's, that's, hard, that's a hard truth, isn't it? That one hurt. But the reality is we see them at their worst. They see us at our worst as well. And so it's easy to perform for someone when it's just a short, a short time, right? We can kind of perform and we can kind of be at our best, you know? And we don't really see them at their worst, so we can kind of believe the best, you know, and, and muddle through that. Um, but, you know, when you're living with someone, you see the good, bad, and the ugly, right? Um, <clears throat> but I think another reason is our expectations, um, we have higher expectations for those that we do live with because we see them, we see the good, right? We see the good, the bad, and the ugly, but we see the good and we're like, we know what people are capable of. And, and so we're like, no, I expect, I expect more from my family. I expect more from those who I'm, I'm really deep friends with. Um, and of course, we expect more from our leaders too. That's kind of another side topic, but um, there's this high expectation that we put on there. And so, when they don't measure up we we get frustrated, we get angry um, but but again, there's a flip side to this, and so I, I think it's important for us to look at those close relationships that we have we we can lean into the place of intimacy that we have so when when we <sighs> We see them at their worst. We see the hard times. When, you know when you've gone through a hard time with somebody? Um, maybe it's a, a hard conflict. There is an intimacy on the other side of that. If you can get through the conflict, there's an intimacy that you have with that person that you didn't have before it. And so when you're in those moments of frustration, you can actually lean into that place of intimacy that you have with them. So it's, you know, on a practical sense, it's like, we got through this before, we can do it again. You know, and leaning into that place of I, I know this person and they really know me and, and I can rest in that. I mean, I, we see that really easy in marriage, I think, but it's just as true in deep friendships in close friendships. Um, we can lean into that um, and kind of similar as far as the high expectations. There's a reason why you have a high expectation of that person. You know, you're frustrated because they're not meeting the expectation. But the reason that you had the expectation in the first place is because they've been meeting the expectation on a pretty consistent basis. Does that make sense? It's like, they've been doing this, they've been doing this, I'm kind of expecting this to happen, and then it doesn't happen. And they're like, oh, man, didn't happen. But the reality is, it's been happening. And so be thankful that you have someone in your life that is being consistent, is showing you love consistently enough for you to even have an expectation. And if we can pause just a moment in those, in those times of frustration and say, yes. wow, I'm so thankful. I have someone in my life that has set the bar high enough and so much higher than I, what I would ever expect from a stranger. Like that's a, that's a gift to have someone in your life like that and just being thankful in that moment for that.
3: I think, too, along with that is just decide to get really good at saying I'm sorry and forgiving. Yeah, because there, it's, it's the good, bad, and the ugly. We're, we'll do it with each other. And we've done it before. We can do it again. We've, you know, you just have to say, oh, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And you, then you have to decide that you're going to be a forgiver as well if you're going to have really good relationships. That's all.
0: I think that's so good, being quick, quick to forgive, um, and just just asking the Lord, Lord, remind me that love is patient. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, right? And so the deeper that love, sometimes the, <laughs> the more we need to pray that love is patient. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, actually, because the depth of the, of the relationship is there and so sometimes we just have to be aware oh i'm not being patient right now holy spirit remind me that love is patient so what does love is patient look like right now in this in this moment what does that look like right now in this moment all right let's draw Right. this question is for myself. That's fun. How does 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, this is a very specific question, so thank you to whoever wrote this question. Um, how does 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11 fit into the concept of the table? Okay, so obviously we got to know what 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11 says, right? So I'm going to read it. By the way, thank you. These are such good questions. All right, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Says this, but actually, this is Paul writing, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. All right. Come on. We got to answer the hard ones too, right? (laughs) All right. So, hey, first thing that we do when we read a verse is we don't just stop with that verse, right? I don't have time to go into scripture reading, but you got to read the context. Okay, so what do we do? Let's go back to verse 1. What does verse 1 say? It is actually reported... That there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles. And here's the specific situation. Someone has his father's wife. Okay, so this is a rough situation. Okay, a man is sleeping with his father's wife. That is obviously not a good situation. And so Paul is addressing this situation that is specifically happening in the Corinthian church at this time. Okay? Okay. Now, a little bit further down, verse two, Paul says, "You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this would in, would deed, would ha, the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst." He goes on further, and he says, in verse six, "Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough?" How many We've heard this verse, yes? not necessarily quoted in the context of all this, but a lot of times we hear this verse. All right, so again, all of this taken into consideration. What's happening right now in this moment? We have someone who is sleeping with his father's wife and the church, instead of actually addressing the issue, they're letting it slide by the wayside. Does that make sense? This person, and I want you to catch the language that's used here, a drunkard, a swindler. This is not just like, hey, this is, this is just something that you do and you're sorry for it and you're repentant for it. This is someone that is walking in unrepentant, habitual sin and is, does not want to change. I'd imagine that in this passage, they've probably already done Matthew 18, Right? First, go one-to-one, then grab a second person, take them with you, then if if necessary, bring them before the church, right? We all know Matthew 18, right? Okay, so Paul is, is being very, very specific in the way that he is addressing this particular situation, and I just want to say one quick disclaimer here. I'm addressing this question the way it was asked, which is community around the table. I'm not necessarily addressing this question with regards to the covenant of marriage, okay? Okay. So Paul is saying not to associate or even eat at the table with believers that are engaged in habitual, systemic, and unrepentant sinful behavior. This is a lot. All right, so I want to point out one thing that Paul also says. He says the word so-called brothers. Did anyone catch that? So-called. What does that imply? It actually implies that maybe these were Um, Maybe they were believers, but maybe, I don't know, maybe there's this place where they haven't come into the full reality of the gospel. Praying a prayer doesn't, right? The full reality of the gospel is walking it out, walking in righteousness, walking that out. doesn't mean that they aren't saved and going to heaven. It just means that the full reality of the gospel isn't necessarily being lived out in their life in this moment. All right, so... I want to just, I know this question's a little longer because we really have to kind of go through it. Something I want us to keep in mind with relationships is that our definition of love has to be centered around Jesus and his word. This is really important because sometimes, and I think this might be part of what Paul is getting at, sometimes our version of love actually looks like enabling. So in this moment, Paul is saying, hey, there's a a little leaven that's leavening the whole dough. What's the point? There's actually sinful, habitual behavior that is actually not just affecting this one person. It's spreading throughout the Corinthian church, establishing a culture, and by not actually addressing it head on, you're actually enabling the behavior. Sometimes we don't like to hear this message. I know. But listen love can sometimes enable and we have to be careful about that okay all right so that's the first thing um jesus says what he he says go and sin no more so jesus is all about sinners and tax collectors and inviting them to the table however in this moment paul makes it clear we're not talking about sinners and tax collectors we're talking about a believer in this context that actually their behavior needs to be addressed All right, so here's what I want to say. This is probably the last thing. When someone is walking in blatant and unrepentant sin, there may be a need for boundaries or limitations when it comes to relationships and community around the table. I believe this is something you have to deal with on a case-by-case basis. Okay? Does this make sense? Do we all know what's happening here? Okay, so our table is a place to invite those struggling but in the case of a believer that refuses to repent of sin, then our relationship may have to shift and we may need some boundaries. There may need to be some boundaries set up. That's not bad. That's actually good. And guess what? Oh, man, I can't, I can't preach today. Um, <sighs> why not? Um, boundaries are really Healthy. And sometimes we actually prevent someone else from growing because we're actually in the name of love. We're actually okay with bad behavior. We're enabling it. And we're actually preventing someone from growth and maturity. So by continuing... To act as normal and bypass the issue in the case, in this particular case, we can be enabling instead of addressing the issue uh, by continuing to associate and eat in the context of close relationship. I also think that those two words, associate and eat, kind of implies even a closer relationship. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't have to be in deep relationship with everybody. And so there's this aspect of, hey, may not be a good idea with where that particular person is at to necessarily be in deep close relationship right now but hey it doesn't mean we don't love them it actually means we love them so much that we actually say hey i love you but right now i'm going to need to put up some boundaries right now because of of this does this make sense is this good all right so this could include a need for the relationship to shift if the person is unwilling to see the issue and desires to repent and that shift may actually be what communicates love to the point of truth, which releases freedom for that individual. All right. I think we addressed it. If you need more, please email me. Really though, I love getting these questions. These are fun questions. I think it's really important that, we're, that we read this and we realize, hey, like, sometimes love looks like, hey, This has got to change. Like, this needs to shift. That's a loving thing to do, is to help people and reveal truth. Speak the truth in love, right? All right. I got to keep going. Is this good? Okay. All right, Kim. How do I manage my struggle of feeling like an outsider Or feeling like I don't belong at the table?
3: That's a really good question. And I I love even the way it's written. How do I manage my struggle of feeling like an outsider? Because it is your struggle. It's not about other people. This struggle is an internal battle. And it has a lot to do with your self-talk and the way you view yourself. And so... I would say the first help in managing your struggle is to really, um, it's like, do you belong at the table? Whose table are you trying to belong to? Do you belong at the Lord's table? Start there. Start there. Just like a couple weeks ago, Steve preached the whole um, story of Mephibosheth and just how he was inherently inherently invited to the table he was inherited a place at the table and the same is true for each of us Ephesians um, 1 verse 4 think about this in relationship to what we're talking about even before he made the world God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. All of Ephesians 1 and 2 is like super helpful for all of this. But if you can actually start to align your thinking with I am chosen by God. I I am holy and without fault. And if you really start to believe that then you're go- going to approach your relationships differently and, and this, this whole idea of where do I belong. So starting there, seating, being seated at the Lord's table with him um, is really key. And then once you're there, start to dialogue about how, what, your, what your life is like, what your situation is like. Dialogue with the Lord. Um, Really ask him questions. This, start this conversation. And, and I want to remind you that a conversation is asking and then listening. It's not just talking. It's listening. So ask the Lord, what do I have to offer in relationships? And then let him tell you. And the way you can start to partner with what he's saying is just simply writing it down. Start to journal Journal about what he's telling you. What do I have to offer in relationships? What is valuable about me? How do I affect people around me? If you start to look at yourself, how you're relating to other people through the way God sees what's happening, then you're going to relate rightly with people. And um, on a practical level, and we've touched on this some just but be the inviter. There's not just one table to sit at. There's not one cool group, okay? Be the inviter. Start your own table. So and then um, ask the Lord, who would be a good friend for me right now? Or another way, who needs me as their friend? Like, you are a, a valuable relationship person. Yeah. And you have a lot to offer. So, so you're not just looking, who can give me what I need? You do have needs. It's true. You do have needs. And the Lord provides for you through relationship. But he's going to help you get there by, by thinking rightly about who you are and who he's made you to be with other people.
0: Yeah, I think that's so good. I'm just reminded of, you know, we're made in the image of God. And so that identity, being secure in who you are is massive. Um, Because I also think about this question almost flipped, because this is how it was for me in high school, was it was actually that I was an outsider to the table, and I needed to be an outsider to a few tables, right? There's a few things going on that I didn't need to be invited to, and actually, if I hadn't known who I was and my value, I might have sat at a table I didn't need to be sitting at. And so there's the flip side of that. I remember my senior year of high school, I had this girl call me and she was like, hey, I just really feel like, um, you know, like you need practice kissing. And I was like, um, no, I'm good. She was like, yeah, I, I think, you know, um, Anyway. She was like I I I think like you're not actually going to know how to kiss unless you practice okay how many of people have heard this you're not actually going to know how to do that unless you do it okay so what what was I was being invited to a table that was against my value system and there was an invitation with somebody that I liked at the time to go further against my values than I wanted to go and so in that moment, I actually was willing to be an, an outsider at that particular table because of my identity. And that actually invited me to a different table with friends that actually brought life and a sense of healthiness. Does this make sense? Okay, so I think that's important too because knowing who you are gives you the security to know what table you, you need to be at and what tables you don't. All right, last question. This is for my mom. Has God called me to be a friend to every person?
2: Well, we're running out of time, and the short answer is no. <laughs> I got, I got, I got the easy questions, you guys. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the short answer is no. God has not called us to be friends with everyone. He does ask us to love, but we get also to ask him what does love look like in different situations and with different people because it does look different. And it actually takes his love for us to know how to love other people as well. So go into his love and ask him, what it looks like in different relationships. So, obviously, being a friend means we have a level of commitment to the relationship, right? And so, we have different, obviously, we all know this. We have different circles of friends. We have close, our closest, and close, and on and on and on and on, right? And so, again, it's okay to have healthy boundaries with our time and with our commitments. And You know, sometimes actually I've wanted to be friends with someone and it just didn't work in that season. And it wasn't always the easiest thing for me because I wanted it to work, right? But when we surrender it and lay it down and trust God with it, then either other people come in that are the right people or that relationship comes back later and comes into what it's really meant to be. So I would just say with this that we don't feel pressure to be friends with everyone. Ask God how to love people. If, even if you don't feel like you can commit to be a close friend of theirs, ask them what it looks like to love them. Again, communication sometimes can be so very helpful in these situations. And then just trusting God uh, with the relationships is a really important part of that. Because when we trust God, then the right relationships come in into the right place, right? So that's easy to make that a short answer.
0: That's good. We're out of questions. We did it. It's great. Oh. Do we skip that one? Is that for you too? Well, let's, I mean, you got a one one sentence answer? No. no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna we we can save this last question for next week. But um, let's stand. Again, the the point of the conversation. Um, was for us to grow in relationships and community, and I felt like this was really good. Did you guys feel like this was good, yeah, yeah. like solid? Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna continue this next week, um, and I just I'm really believing that the Lord is gonna just just um, give us fresh perspective even on what relationship and community around the table looks like. Um, and so hey, I'm gonna pray, and then I want to do I do want to mention we have a youth pop up market happening across the way outside. Um, I've been told that there's coffee and things to purchase, so that's exciting. We want to support our youth as they go to camp. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, before you leave, to go hang out over there. Um, it's going to be gonna be fun. But um, I want to pray, and so let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for what you did this morning. Lord, we thank you. We thank you even for just the fresh breath And the fresh fire of the Holy Spirit that I really feel like filled me up this this morning. And so we just thank you, Lord, that as we leave this place, even when we think about relationships and community and um, doing life at the table, Lord, that ultimately we do that through relationship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us direct our relationships and our community. And so first and foremost, Lord, we just say we listen and look to you for our relationships and for community. And I just even ask you, Lord, that even as we go forth from this place, Lord, that we would go forth filled with fresh fire, that our hearts would burn in a fresh way, Lord. That we, as we sang all service and we read in Acts 2 where the Holy Spirit filled we thank you that we are going from this place fresh, freshly filled, Lord. Freshly filled. And so we just thank you for that. I bless each and every person that is here in the room, every person watching online, to go forth from here. Filled with the Holy Spirit. That he wants to come upon us in a fresh way. And so we just thank you for that. Holy Spirit, would you empower our relationships? Would you empower our communication? Would you empower um, our, our marriages, Lord? Would you encounter um, even just singles and those that are dating, Lord? Whatever that looks like in the context of community and relationship, would you empower us in a fresh way to look at you and to um, even seek counsel if needed with the people around us, Lord? We thank you for what you're doing in this place. We bless relationships. We bless family, and we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. All right. Well, hey, we love you guys. Super glad that you're here. Um, Again, don't forget about the pop-up market, and uh, have a great week. If you're watching online, have a great week.